Yes, and welcome to episode two of OCD and Me with your host, Harry Bosman. I want to say a big thank you to everyone who listened in to episode one last, well, not last week, actually, it was two weeks ago now. I do want to say as well that I will be doing episodes fortnightly so I can get uh, prepared to talk to guests uh, and have people on the show. But once again, thank you so much for all the people who listened in and even messaged me and said that they enjoyed it. Now... Coming up in this show, what we're going to be talking about, I did a poll on Instagram and I asked you what you would like to listen to. I did the introduction to OCD and me in the first episode, all about what OCD and the types of OCD are. Now, I asked you and I put a poll up and you said that you wanted to talk about the the ways I cope with and coping mechanisms within OCD. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I hope you guys enjoy it. If you do have any questions, then as I said, please let me know. Harry.bosman at yahoo.co.uk is my email. Or you can DM me, Harry X Malone is my Instagram. I really want to hear from you guys and, you know, I want to get feedback from what you think. And also maybe, you know, topics that you think may find you may find interesting or you may want to know about. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and uh, yeah. OCD and me episode two is starting now. And I'm not off to do this each week. Yes, hello, welcome to part one of OCD and me with Harry Bosman, the guy with OCD. Um, I hope you guys are okay. We're going to be talking all about coping mechanisms today. Uh, it's something that you guys really wanted to know about when I posted on Instagram. Um, I think it's an absolutely fascinating uh, conversation. Um, because essentially I deal with it every single day and I have to cope with it every single day. And there are different mechanisms that you can use that, to help you out and that have helped me. Now, I was looking online all about just trying to figure out other ways that, you know, I can cope with my OCD through um, other forms that I haven't even found out about yet. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I did find is stuff that I kind of already knew and is kind of a little bit, you know, self-explanatory to, to some people. So one of the things that I read on a website called Very Well Mind was that essentially OCD and stress go hand in hand, which I can absolutely vouch for. My OCD gets a lot worse when I'm stressed and in like highly stressful situations which can be at work it can be even getting to work or you know maybe I'm running late and you know it's stressful to to be in that situation um and I have my own coping mechanisms in terms of like how I deal with my OCD when I get into those stressful situations um but one of the things that I read on this website was simple things like getting enough sleep, eating well, exercising, meditation has been a big one that I've read recently, um, and sticking to your treatment plan. Now, it is different with different people. Obviously, some people have different lifestyles and different jobs and things like that. So maybe sleep or eating well or exercise or meditation um, is, is hard for you to do because it doesn't really fit into the structure of your day. Now, I work late nights in a bar so sleeping, getting enough sleep is quite difficult for me. And I tend to end up sleeping in to try and get my eight hours, six to eight hours, really. Um, eating well as well, because I work on weekends. I normally do a double shift and things like that. So the only time that I really get to eat is when I get my break and when I get home. But that's normally around like one o'clock. Um, the ways that I have kind of worked around it is... 
I mean, some people might think this is a lie. In the past, the way that I've done it, um, meal prepping, is, it's quite simple. Find an hour in the day to just meal prep. Um, breakfast bars have been an absolute lifesaver for me. Uh, getting up in the morning, munching on a breakfast bar, sets you up for the day. Um, but yeah, as I said, other coping mechanisms that I have found, uh, CBT, cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy, that I spoke to uh, you about in the last episode. Um, that was something that didn't really work for me. It's all about challenging your inner fears. And I didn't quite like that purely because at the start of my OCD, when I went into therapy and did CBT, um, I was looking for an immediate answer. I wasn't looking for, oh, how can you help yourself? Why do you think you have these fears? I was like, no, I want an answer. I want to get rid of this as fast as I can. Uh, And that's not what CBT is about. Um, I know people who have been through CBT and it's helped them massively. So I really, really am not saying to cross CBT off your list. Um, As I mentioned last um, episode as well, I went through uh, hypnotherapy, which actually really, really worked for me. It wasn't um, an immediate help. Uh, It was was a process and I was quite worried about doing it because I don't like hypnotizing and things like that um, because I don't want to be other people, essentially. Uh, So those are the two things that off the top of my head I can really say are two ways of good therapy uh, to get to cope with your anxiety, stress levels as well, and as well as your OCD. Now, in terms of a personal point of view, the coping mechanisms that I have uh, in terms of my OCD, and I'm talking to my best mate, uh, Alex Emberton, in the next part, and it comes up. um, I used to write myself a list of random words that helped me out. So, for example, I don't like the whole trait of OCD um, to do with the the magical trait of OCD that I spoke about in episode one, which is all about to do with good luck, bad luck, heaven and hell and superstitions. Now, that's something that I really suffer from. Um, So in terms of that, I don't like the word cursed or possessed or things like that, supernatural things really really tick me it it gets under my skin so on the list that i'm talking about of random words i used to cope by changing the words and that's what i would say if i ever heard the words or if i ever thought or had impure thoughts about supernatural things so in terms of cursed i would say curled um and instead of possessed i would say possum so Things like that, it may not work for you. And to be fair, it does get you into a bit of a rabbit hole because my list got huge to the point where it was stressful to cope with constantly remembering all the words I had for certain things. But little things like that can really help you in terms of coping with what you've got. Another thing with coping with OCD, so things like taking a break and having a breather, say your compulsions are getting the best of you and you are doing things more than once, which is, you know, the repetition side of OCD. If you find yourself getting really stressed out and you feel that you're just getting a little bit overwhelmed, have a sit down, take a deep breath, breathing for me, and it goes into the whole meditation side of coping mechanisms. Deep breathing, centering yourself and relaxing your mind is a great way to 
overcome these compulsions and just kind of reset yourself, as I said, and then start again. Or maybe you have reset yourself to the point where you're like, oh, I don't need to do it again. And you will just walk through that door. Now, another thing about managing OCD that links into OCD and what I have is anxiety. Now, they go hand in hand. The more obsessive your compulsions are, the more stressed you get and then the more anxious you get about it as well. Um, There's not really a kind of fine way of really coping with anxiety that I found anyway. Um, I'm always going to have it. The doctor said I will always have it. But the same things kind of apply with the whole stress thing. I found that taking deep breaths, meditating, having a nice structure, um, a clean room, which a lot of you know I do not have, but just being organized. But if you know someone that has OCD and it's not anything to do with cleanliness and um, you see that they're getting anxious about maybe performing good at work or um, paying bills on time and things like that, don't have a go. And don't be like, oh, your room's such a mess. They know it's a mess. And the only thing you're going to do is make them more anxious and then the OCD is just going to rise higher. Um, The best thing that I have found when people have kind of challenged me is take a step back. Don't read into it too much because you're just going to stress yourself out a little bit more. Um, But yeah, those are the ways that I, I, I really think that have helped me cope. Breathing taking a step back, removing you from a situation that you're finding a little bit stressful that has agitated your OCD. Um, And just relax, essentially. Mindfulness, meditation, muscle relaxation, and getting a good night's sleep and exercise is a big key. My mum always used to say it to me, and bless her, uh, I did not listen. But um, exercise, it releases endorphins that really, really do help you out. One thing, I don't really like running and I don't really like exercising. I used to be amazing at sport, uh, not to blow my own trumpet, but um, I, I'm not, I haven't really got back into the routine. But swimming, I find absolutely the top thing to relax. So if you have a local swimming pool, if you have a swimming pool in your gym, go take 15 minutes or half an hour, just have a swim. I find it comforting, relaxing. I just, you know, my thoughts are with me some good, some bad. It's a nice time to just be with yourself uh, and breathe. So in terms of coping mechanisms, I think everyone has their own. If you're trying to find a way, an answer from me, um, I would really would say what I've read is, is, is very correct. Breathing, meditation, good night's sleep, eating well, not excessively drinking, um, it's all right to go for a drink. It's all right to get a bit leery, but excessively drinking, I have found in the past and even now that uh, it, it sends me into a bit of a spiral and my OCD gets a little bit worse and I get a little bit more agitated, but I suppose that's hangovers, well, me specifically. Quickly before I go into part two, um, the last thing that I can say about coping me- mechanisms in terms of getting yourself away from your bad thoughts, impure thoughts or OCD is getting yourself stuck into an activity. If you are just sitting at home like I used to do when I was a little bit down about my OCD and it was getting really, really uh, against me and you may have found this over lockdown that you found yourself just stuck inside and your mind's just running, you're a bit bored 
and you start seeing that you're getting a little bit more snappy and agitated. One thing that I found over lockdown, and bless my mum again, she said it to me, over lockdown, get yourself out, even for 15 minutes. The air, the fresh air, the endorphins running through your mind from even just walking, I'm not saying go for a run, I mean, exercise is always good. But getting out, doing something, have an activity. My roommate Mike, he goes for a skate. And, you know, it's something, it's a hobby that he enjoys. So he goes out and, like, skated for, I mean, it actually turned out to be, um, like, half an hour or whatever. Um, but, yeah, go out, play football, kick a ball against a wall for 15 minutes or do something you like. If you like painting, paint. Just get your mind off your own thoughts and immerse yourself into something that you enjoy. So I hope you guys have found this helpful. If you do want to message me, then please do. Harry X Malone is where you want to DM, or you can email me, harry.bosman at yahoo.co.uk. As I said, I'm going to be talking to my best mate, Alex Emberton, um, in part two, all about um, our experiences and how, as a friend, he has coped with my OCD. Uh, I've been getting messages off of some people being like, I'm a friend of someone who has OCD and I don't know how to cope with it. So please stay tuned for part two. Alex gives amazing advice in terms of how to, how he's dealt with my OCD. Um, but yeah, please stay tuned and like, share, subscribe. You can't really, but yeah. Um, and give, give me your opinions. I want feedback and thank you so much for your support. I know you can't let go. So I'm here with one of my best mates, Alex Emberton. Uh, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good. So today we're talking about coping mechanisms. Um, and I thought I would interview you. You were, you were one of the first people that came to mind when uh, people opted for coping mechanisms to be the topic of conversation today. Because you know about my lists and uh, not only that, you know a lot about... Well, you've been there for me, essentially, for the last eight years. Yeah, so th there's been... There's certainly been a few different things you've tried over the years. Uh, it's, been, it's been interesting to sort of... Um, to try and understand the logic behind them. Because sometimes the logic's quite on the surface and you, you can see, oh, he's doing this to help him process this. And then other times, a lot of that logic is sort of perhaps hidden so it's sort of unraveling it and 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 trying your best to understand and realize that there are elements of it that you will never be able to grasp that you just kind of have to trust the person dealing with it that this is helping and kind of roll with it yeah i mean there's definitely been times where we were going to drive somewhere and i've got in and out the door about five times you know you're like bozzy we can't do this now we're under a time pressure and i'm like but this is how I cope with it. And you're like, okay, I'm going to give you three more tries. <laughs> so like in terms of that, I found it quite nice in terms that, you know, you were being understanding, but you're giving me a time pressure, which actually worked for me at points. Um, but then, as you said, there were times and in terms of like logic and trying to figure it out, there were times where I was like, even after those three tries, I don't give a damn what you say. I'm going to carry on and do it. <laughs> 
But how do you think, like, what was the experience for you? Like, kind of, I mean, we've been best mates for, I mean, eight years now. Longer than eight years, ten years? Yeah, probably, because I, I knew you a f a, certainly a few years before the OCD kind of set in. Definitely. So, yeah, I say about experience? How's the experience been for you? Like, kind of, you know, having a friend with quite severe OCD. Well, to start with, and it's got a lot better now, but... I mean, it, it's tough. I, not in the sense of, like, oh, you know, it's it's really hard to deal with. It, it's tough to watch someone who all you want to do is help them. And in your mind, it might seem like the solution is perfectly clear. But it's tough to watch and realize that there's nothing you can probably do to fix it. You've just got to try and help facilitate them fixing themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you you know, I especially in the early days, I'd watch you get stuck on stuff, you know, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> you'd be... Maybe, I, I remember one time when uh, we went to a restaurant in town and you sat down at the table and you just went, ah. Oh be right back and I said to you what's going on and you had to walk all the way to the train station which was about 10-15 minutes away to come all the way back and I remember <laughs> thinking I mean it, it didn't inconvenience me too much but I was so gutted for you and yeah. it was tough to see it and, and kind of every bit of my body was like wishing I could get you to be okay and not need <laughs> to do it but at the same time realizing that like no the only way he's ever going to be able to make himself okay is if he does what he thinks he needs to do to fix himself yeah i mean I, I completely forgot about that i didn't i didn't realize there's been a couple of memories that i've had with you that have really like stayed true there was that one time where i got stuck on the stairs oh well actually where you helped me get to bed essentially <laughs> yeah yeah because i couldn't i i couldn't turn right yeah, that, for the people listening that in. was it you you didn't get stuck so much on that occasion but you had this theory that you couldn't which way couldn't you turn couldn't turn right i couldn't turn right because no i couldn't turn left couldn't because every single staircase in my house had a left left turn yeah, you, so, yeah you couldn't turn left so what we had to do is turn right three times and if you got it slightly wrong that that try was bust and we had to try again and i remember i think this was the first time i'd ever met anyone with uh a, a mental illness i would say is is quite overt you know like obviously you meet some people who've had depression and stuff but OCD I think is is quite vivid if you've never experienced anything like that before and I remember just thinking like will it help him if I do it as well so <laughs> we were in your house and your staircase has about three or four mini landings and we were just there both next to each other going okay we're gonna rotate 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 did that one work Harry did that one work <laughs> And I think it took me, and it took me about twenty-five minutes, half an hour, to get you up this flight of stairs. But we got you up there eventually. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, in terms of what you just said, it really did help. It kind of, and this is the whole basis of this podcast. It really kind of like normalised it. The fact that I mean, I'm not saying that mental health in any way is a joking matter, but in terms of my experiences with you at that at that point, like kind of making a bit of a joke about it and you getting involved and being like you know what i'm here i'll do whatever um i'll ca i'll copy you if that makes it get you upstairs quicker um so in terms of like that coping mechanism it switched something into my mind where i was like oh, okay you know maybe I, I can get through this i definitely can i don't have to spend five ten minutes on one staircase spinning round you know right 
10,000 times because you were doing it as well. And the funny thing is, is I remember even thinking, Embers is going to get dizzy. <laughs> I don't want Embers to get dizzy. So let's just stop it now. And it, even if it was on a bad thought, I thought, let's just carry on and push through. Um, so in terms of coping mechanisms, that's that's how it went for me. But thank you very much for yeah, being there. No, no problem. <laughs> I mean, I, I think... I probably didn't think about it in these terms because I was a, quite a lot younger and didn't really have fully fleshed out thoughts. But I think it, it was important to, like you said, like to normalize what was happening to you because we can't change what's happening to you. But we could, you know, if this, once it set on and, and once it became a daily thing that you had to deal with, it, it was best for everyone involved if we kind of... Uh, try to normalize it in a way that let you process things as if they were day-to-day -day tasks as opposed to being these huge alien obstacles that you had no frame of reference for and I, and I think by other people around you doing these you know things that might seem quite silly to them but they're stuck in your brain and they're going to be done one way yeah. or the other by by normalizing them by doing them yourself by making jokes about them by making it seem like part of your everyday life in a way it takes some of the fear factor of it being a little bit abnormal out of it for you and that might in the moment help you deal with it better yeah i mean i love i love what you just said as a whole but one of the things in terms of like you saying that you know making a daily task like less alien that was one thing for me because especially obviously when it first came about i didn't really want to tell anyone because everything seemed alien to me and i didn't want you guys to think Oh, I'm hanging around with a weirdo because he's having to walk to the train station or, um, you know, he can't turn left or oh, he has to go wash his hands 10 times when there's no real need. But um, it was when like you and Will and the rest of like family and friends like really just thought, dude, and he even said to me, he's like, dude, there's you have nothing to worry about. It's completely fine. We don't think you're weird. That really kind of resonated with me. And I was like, look, I'm not. You understand it. And even Sam's today where um, I'm out in public and I have to go in and out a door, I make up an excuse and they're like, oh, where are you going? It's like, oh, I just had to see if um, that was a fox that crossed the road or just something really stupid. And the one thing that I've loved about you and the family is you all know it. You all know that I'm making up a random excuse because I need to do it again. Um, but that's just another coping mechanism in, that I, I use to kind of make it seem in public that I'm not... Not, not weird, but do you get what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to... Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm hiding it, but I'm not. I don't know. I don't... No, yeah, no, I, 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 really, I definitely but... understand it. And, and maybe putting on a little kind of guise of normality helps integrate into normal things because I, I would say that if you actually look at the things you're doing, there's nothing that unreasonable in the small, tiny thing you're doing that really needs focusing on. But when... Mm when you start feeling like you can't do it, when it becomes a mental thing that you want to do something, or when you get a compulsion, as it were, and you can't act on it, that's when it starts to build up into a real big problem. So it's about facilitating an environment for you where you feel comfortable enough to deal with the compulsion and then move on. And, you yeah. know, we can't stop you feeling these things, but we can make it so these things consume as little of your life as we can possibly make them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, massively. <laughs> Have you ever thought about being a therapist? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said it. Honestly, you said it. You hit the nail on the head. And 
I mean, in terms of you being my best mate, and obviously we've been through it for a for a long, long time now. Um, I've had a couple of messages from people over the last two weeks, and some people have messaged me being like, you know, my friend's got it. What would you recommend um, to do? Because I don't really know. But from a friend's point of view, how would you say is the best way to maybe help out a friend or family who who has something like OCD or maybe depression or uh, something along those lines um the one thing I would say is that don't don't try and st- in, unless the compulsion is something that's going to hurt them for example like if you get stuck I don't know like scratching something or like something that's going to do like some long-term damage to you that that's a separate category but if the compulsion is something like they want to go back in a shop or they want to shut a door or they want to turn a light, sw- light switch on six seven times in your head it might seem like just stop doing it and it would be easy to just stop yeah. doing it try and override that impulse and sometimes it, especially early on it'd be really annoying because you won't understand why they want to do it but i think the best thing for both of you and the thing that will help your friend move on and will also help it be less annoying for you is to kind of try and be on the same page as them try and understand that this is something they've got to do and once they've done it try and move on like don't if you flicked a switch on three times in a or 30 times when you've stopped doing it and you sit back down again the absolute worst thing i can do is be like why did you feel the need to do that what was going through your head why why are these thoughts happening do you know what i mean whereas the best thing i can do is be like okay cool what what food are we going to eat what film do you want to watch you know let's move on with it and and over time i find that the more accepting we've been with it the less we've made it a thing you you seem to come out of those compulsive moments quicker or at least the transition is smoother do you know what i mean yeah mate honestly man once again you hit that nail on the head um in terms of how you've been with me and i think that's what you've said is amazing advice um so once again thank you so much for being there for me man um over the last eight years and 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 for probably the rest of our lives (laughs) but uh, (laughs) i hope so but um (laughs) <laughs> but thank you again for joining me on the podcast um honestly i, I love you today hey, thank you so, for having me man i love you too it's <laughs> been really fun good and uh i really hope that we don't go into a second lockdown because i want to come see yeah, you yeah no, so. definitely me too yeah. man me too <laughs> all right bro well i'll catch you in a bit awesome. thank you see you later bye bye So we've come up to the end of the podcast. Uh, We've come up to the end of episode two. I hope that you found it helpful and I hope that you've, you know, learned a little bit more about OCD and ways that you can cope with your OCD or maybe help a friend who has OCD or a family member has OCD. So thank you again for all the support that you have given me. I really, really love what I'm doing at the moment. So if you do want to get in contact, as I said before, harry.bosman at yahoo.co.uk or you can DM me, Harry X Malone, on Instagram. But end of episode two. Episode three will be coming out next 
next in the next two weeks on either Friday or Sunday. I know this one came out a little bit late, but yeah, been busy, been busy. But thank you, and this is the end of OCD and Me episode two. And I hope you have a great rest of your week.